Amen. Thank you, ladies. That's wonderful. I thought about her. My wife's here tonight, and we have a dear friend, holiness lady. They're holiness people, and I mean real, old-fashioned holiness people. And uh, this younger lady here, uh, as long as she's alive, our holiness lady friend is going to be alive in that woman right there. She, I, I don't know. I've been in maybe 30 services at their church over the years, and I'd say probably 25 of them, uh, Miss Campbell's had a shouting spell and a weeping spell and a testimonying spell and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's just, they don't talk in tongues, but I tell you, just a wonderful, wonderful yes, yes. spirit Amen. and uh, thankful and grateful for what God can do in anyone's life. What a blessing. What a blessing. I enjoyed it, ladies. I don't know where they went. Did you leave already? I can't even see that far. Oh, there you are. God bless your hearts. Appreciate it very, very much. It's good to meet them. Everybody told me, well, you've met them before. I don't think I have, but I'm, I hope I can meet them again down the road of life. It's been a blessing to be here tonight. I thank the Lord for the opportunity. I appreciate this church. I love your pastor and his family. Pray for him every single day that the world goes around by name. And I pray that the Lord would just continue to bless this work and do what only he can do in your behalf. What a blessing. What a blessing to be here today. And I thank you for a lovely room to stay in a couple of nights and also the good fellowship that we've enjoyed in these few days that we've been able to be here. I had uh, a couple of three sermons I wanted to preach, but I don't have time to preach two or three of them in one night. Uh, at least I don't think so. But uh, I want you to look in your book, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter number 15. 2 Samuel chapter number 15. And uh, we'll start our reading tonight in verse number 30. And just so you don't get surprised, we won't stop at the end of this chapter We'll read a little bit into the 16th chapter of 2 Samuel chapter 15. We'll start there. And this is a wonderful, wonderful story about a tragic hour in the life, uh, really, of King David. Uh, heartbreak uh, follows him throughout the rest of this little book of 2 Samuel. Uh, the heartache and the tragedy of Absalom, and you know the story. But we'll begin in verse 30. And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered and he went barefoot. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head and they went up weeping as they went. And one told David saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshipped God, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head, unto whom David said, If thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. But thou return to the city and say unto Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto, so will I now also be thy servant. Then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. And hast thou not there with thee Zadok and Abithar, the priest? Therefore it shall be that 
What things soever thou shalt hear out of the king's house, thou shalt tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priest. Behold, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them ye shall send unto me everything that ye can hear. So Hushai, David's friend. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to be a David's friend? I think that's one of the greatest statements in all of this scripture. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city and Absalom came into Jerusalem. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, and a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Appreciate the good singing, the wholesome, godly, holy singing of these dear ladies that without a doubt has blessed our hearts. It has caused us to think right about you, and I think also a little bit about ourselves. We're nothing, but you care about us. <laughs> Nobody knows us much, but you know us, and we know you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help me tonight in these few minutes with just these simple thoughts to be of some encouragement to God's good people, your good people that are here tonight. I pray that the Holy Ghost of God would do his work in the lives of people and I pray you take the words that fall from my lips and somehow sanctify them with the power of God. And I pray, Lord, that whatever that unction is that makes preaching effective in the lives of people, that that would take place in this room tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight this little phrase caught my attention there in verse number one of chapter 16, a little past the top of the hill. The little past the top of the hill, you'll find some help. A little past the top of the hills of life, you'll find him. You recognize this, when you get a little bit past the top of the hill, you are headed down to the valley. You're not at the bottom yet, but gravity and God will guarantee that you get there. Now, there's all kinds of bottoms to the valley. There's problems with our flesh and sometimes with our families and sometimes with our finances or our fears or our own failures. And the sun does come up in the valley, but you live in the hill country and you know this as well as I do that it takes longer for the sun to arrive at the bottom of the valley. You may be in one tonight spiritually. You may have been in one last month. You may be in one tomorrow, a new one. 
I've been in some valleys. Uh, I don't want to be personal tonight, but my wife and I, we both had cancer in the last two years. We both had uh, multiple surgeries. We both had, I had months of treatment. Uh, we both been a couple of six pu- sick puppies, just to be honest with you. And I, I learned a great lesson. I, I encountered it many years ago when I was, had another ailment that I don't want to talk about tonight, but uh, I learned it again here this year. I, I couldn't tell you how many. I don't want to exaggerate, but I would say maybe 20 or 25 preachers or friends called me up found out I was ill. I talked to a preacher last week. He didn't even know that I had cancer. I didn't broadcast it. I don't get on Facebook. I don't get on Twitter. I don't get on any of that stuff. Someone said the other day in a conference that YouTube and Twitter and Facebook are going to merge and they're going to call it Face. And that's kind of about the way I feel about all that mess. But I had preachers call me. I wish I hadn't remembered that, but I did. I had preachers call me, Brother Tim, if you need anything, just let me know. I never called. I never told them anything. You take an evangelist, doesn't preach for 40, uh, 44 days of treatment, about nine weeks out of the year. Uh, my goodness, that's a, quite a portion out of a year. Uh, nearly 20% and, uh, uh, or so, I, I, I didn't preach. But, you know, I had four or five, maybe six churches and maybe two or three of my friends that have some assets. Uh, they helped me. They didn't, they didn't ask if I needed it. I don't even know if they had called me or contacted me. They just sent some help. I was in a valley and just a little past the top of the hill. There's some good Samaritans that open their purses and care for us and help us. In this story, the Bible says there was a couple of asses saddled. There were 200 loaves of bread. There was a hundred bunches of raisins. There was a hundred of summer fruit. You say, what is summer fruit? Summer fruit is things like cucumbers or watermelons. Uh, things like that, that in the middle of the summer, if you're away from a, a, a well or a water source, they have a water content that will refresh and help in the desert searing heat and the problems of life. David was encountered by these gifts in this caravan. And he said to Ziba, he said, what meanest? These in verse number two. What's this for? Why have you sent this? And Ziba then explains the purpose of each of these gifts, and that is my message to you tonight. I want you to notice what he said there. Ziba said in verse two, "The asses be for the king's household to ride on." You know, when you're just a little past the top of the hill and heading down into a valley in your life, God will provide something for your family. It was obvious transportation to make his wives and his children more comfortable in the travel. 
in the valley, often we think we are all alone. But friend, dad, let's talk to dad a moment. Your family is drawn in with you. When you walk through the valleys of life, maybe it's a back valley that you made by your own doing or your own backsliding. And if you walk down through the valley of life and you look back over your shoulder, you'll see I wear about a size nine or nine and a half shoe. You'll see the footprints of those, but you'll also see a little lady. I don't understand women's shoe size. My wife wears six to seven quadruple a. You say, how in the world do you know that? Well, every once in a while I see a good deal and I buy her a pair of shoes. I think a man ought to do that. You know, now she buys stuff. I look at it. I said, where'd you get that? He said, she said, oh, you bought it for me. <laughs> I didn't go to the store, but I paid for it, I guess. You see those high heels behind you, those, you see those little, uh, those tennis shoes, those Nikes and those Reeboks of those young children. You see some slippers. You see some baby booties. I'm going to tell you something, friend. In the valleys of life, you are not alone. Your family. But thank God the Father is there. Sometimes these valleys are caused, and I want to preach a little. I'm not going to go into detail. But sometimes they're caused by an unforgiving spirit. Sometimes by unconfessed sin. Sometimes by unused opportunities or an undedicated walk or unweeping eyes or unkept promises. The valleys of life are for your growing. You know, the valley is far more fertile than the top of a rocky peak. That's where God, that's where God works in the fertile areas of our life, our fellow travelers that, that need to be taught and helped and encouraged and those innocents that are with us. Then notice what David said. The bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat. Not only something for our families, but something, something for the fighting men. Those fellows that were with him, they were hundreds. Matter of fact, when he, gets, he got to Gath, uh, in, the, in the Bible, there were 600 of those men with him. That bread and summer fruit were to care for these young men and give them strength for the battle and the days ahead. In chapter 17, in verse number 16, is an interesting little phrase. The Bible says, because of uh, the news that he got from Hushai, his friend, through those young men, now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Lodge not this night in the plains of the wilderness. Hushai's counsel con, uh, confounded the counsel of Ahithophel. It bothered Ahithophel so much that Ahithophel went out and committed suicide. Bothered him so much. And God sent these supplies to succor these people, these fighting men, until more aid could come. And they did get more. Look, if you would, at the end of the 17th chapter, these other men, there was a guy there in verse 27 was come to Mahanam that Shobai, the son of Nahash, a rabbi of the children of Ammon and Maker, the son of Amiel of Lodabar and Barzillai, the Gilead, Gileadite of Rogelim, they came. 
They brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched poles and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind for David and for the people that were with him to eat. For they said the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. God will send somebody by to help you just a little past the top of the hill. God will use anyone. You know, in this case, there were those that had mistreated him, Ammonites. There were those that had seen his grace. The people of Lodabar, they had seen what he'd done in behalf of Mephibosheth. And there were those who were old and great. Barzillai, he's 80 years old when David returns. I tell you, when you're too weak to minister, when you're too defeated to care, when you're too down and out to even cry out, God, 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 our Heavenly Father will supply through others to help you ride out the storm. God will take care of you. Like the ladies sang, we may not be too important. We're not going to get our names written down in any great history books. They're not going to carve our names on the plaques and monuments. But God knows where we are. God cares about us. And then notice, then notice the last little thought I want to give you there in chapter number 16. And it said, uh, you know, for the king's household, that's for the family. For the young men, that's the fighting men. And the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. Something for the faint-hearted. Something for those that are just about beyond, been beyond themselves. You know, wine in the Bible most of the time is a type of joy and celebration in the difficulties of life. God, God will give you something to shout about. Something to praise him for. Something to rejoice about in the difficulties of just a little past the top of the hill. Years ago, I remember this story and I was reminded of it. Even within the last 30 days, I don't know about these telephones that we have nowadays. I get my news on my telephone. I get a lot of stuff on there and some stuff you don't want on there. But I don't even know how it popped up on my phone one day was this old story in it, and I remembered it. It was the story of a young man from Great Britain by the name of Redmond. And he was running in the Olympics in the 400-meter dash. Now, to me, the 400 meters would not be called a dash. It would be called a marathon. And he was running. And he was really one of the favorites to win the race. But he fell. He fell there on the cinder track. And he was trying to get up and trying to make a little effort to keep going. And a man came out of the stands. Big man, way overweight man. And officials tried to stop him. I don't, you couldn't tell. I saw this, I saw this reenacted on my, uh, on my phone. It was, it was a, I never had seen this before. And he pushed those people out of the way. And he came to that boy, Redmond, that had fallen. And the announcer on the little thing that I was watching on my phone, 
He said, it's his father. His father has come out of the stand to help him get across the finish line. That dad put his arm over his shoulder and he put his arm around his boy's back and that dad walked that boy as he limped along to the finish line and as he headed towards the finish line, the race was already over by the the winner, but the entire stadium stood to their feet and cheered louder as that father helped his boy across the finish line. I'm going to tell you something, friend. You may have fallen in your race. You may have injured yourself along the road, but our Father will come and help us across the finish line. Oh, my goodness. I remember in our little state of Ohio up there, I think it might have been three springs ago, there, and I read this in the paper. There was a girl who had won in her specialty. She had won the state championship in a track meet. But she was running in another discipline. She was not expected to win, but she might have finished and, of course, helped her track team to score some points. And a girl running real close to her fell. And she stopped. And she went to that girl that had fallen. And she helped her get across the finish line. You know, sometimes, friend, it's good to be Hushai, David's friend, who helps another friend who has fallen. We're, we're so prone. Oh, look what he's done. He had it coming. I knew he'd be like that. What is wrong every once in a while as a child of God to go to a fallen brother or sister and just be a help? Help to get them across the line. We don't always have to be mean. We don't always have to be unkind. And I'll tell you this always. It'll never fail. Somewhere in the shadows You'll find Jesus. He'll be there. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. There's a man who's dead now. I think he probably lived within 15 or 20 miles of here most of his life. He uh, fought in World War II. His grandmother was a great lady, fine Christian. Fine Christian as a young lady, Fine Christian as a grown-up woman, good woman, but she married a bad man. And they had, that couple had six sons and five daughters. And this man went to World War II, the grandson of this elderly lady. When he went to World War II, he was not saved. He was in the Navy on a battleship. He was not a Christian. But while in the Navy on that battleship, fellow won him to Jesus Christ. He got born again by the Spirit of God, genuinely converted. He began to witness and preach and talk to other people. They had other sailors that got saved by the score on that battleship. 
when he came home, none of his aunts or uncles were saved. His mother was not saved. She was one of the five daughters. Her uncles, of course, the six sons. None of them were saved. His grandmother had passed away, gone to be with the Lord. She died not knowing that any of her children she would ever see again. But that sailor boy got born again. And when he came back, he won all of his six uncles to Christ, his mother to Christ, and his four aunts to Christ. And several other of the family members were saved. And I heard him tell the story myself. And he said, my grandmother had no idea that the next time she saw her children, they would all be there in heaven with her. Now you talk about a surprise. You talk about a wonderful thing, man. When your children, you died, got to heaven. None of them saved. You knew none of them were saved. You don't get to heaven. When you get to heaven, you don't get dumber than you are here. And maybe she knew a little bit ahead of time. Maybe, maybe some kind angel came around and said, you know, your daughter just got saved. Your son just got saved. I tell you, one of the wonderful things about heaven are the things that are going to happen after we get out of here. Reverend Thomas Dorsey was preaching in St. Louis, Missouri. He lived in Chicago. After a revival service one night, he got a message that his wife had died in childbirth. He got in his car after the service, drove the 300 miles through the night. He got into town, parked out in front of his house. There were cars there. There were lights on. He didn't really want to talk to anybody. Didn't want to have to communicate at all. So he sat there in front of his house. Someone looked out the window, saw him sitting out there, relative that came out and informed him that not only had his wife died, but the little baby had died in childbirth, a little baby boy. He cranked up his car, drove through the streets of Chicago, and he wrote these words. When my way grows dreary, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call. Hold my hand lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home. When the darkness appears and the night draws near and the day is past and gone. At the river I stand, guide my feet, hold my hand. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. And the chorus goes, precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm lone. Through the storm, through the night. Lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, 
lead me home. Just a little past the top of the hill. There'll be help. There'll be hope. There'll be someone that cares. Does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he cares. He cares for his own. He cares for his children. He sees the sparrow when it falls. He knows. He knows where we are. He knows what we're experiencing. He knows the things we have to face in this life. And thank God he'll be there. Something for our family. Something for the faint of heart. Something for our fellow soldiers to battle with and to work with and to serve with and go with. May God encourage our hearts. I don't know what I'll face tomorrow. I don't know what I'll face next year. I have no idea. Neither do you. Thank God we don't know. That's a blessing. Ignorance is a blessing about the future. But I do know tonight who holds our future. Sure, a child of God is as sure of heaven if you were already there. No doubt. Father in heaven, thank you for these few minutes tonight. I don't. I, I, I am often confronted with the wonderful truth that things that were written in this blackback book thousands of years ago are so up to the minute. They're so applicable to the things that we face today. It's amazing to me. What a wonderful book we have. What a great Savior we have. What a wonderful Heavenly Father. <laughs> Just a little bit past the top of the hill. See, when, I think, Lord, when he was on the hill, our book said, we read it tonight, that he worshiped. Oh, God, we're here tonight. Help us to worship. And as we leave this place and maybe head down into the valley of the workplace tomorrow where your boss, where the boss is an unkind man or employees are difficult to deal with. And, and fellow co-workers are big problems or the situation at the house, the situation in the family, the difficulties that we face beyond the top of the hill where we worship tonight. I would think, Lord, that David's worship on the top of the hill helped him as he lodged in the wilderness, as he faced the onslaught of his son, his beloved son, Absalom, and all the things that came down through the rest of this chapter. In this book, I pray, oh God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you would help us and encourage us. Build us up in the most holy faith. Help us, oh Lord, to face things like a true child of God. Help us not to face things like a whiny pup. Help us not to be a baby about it. Help us, us men to be men and the ladies to be ladies and the young people to seem more mature than they've ever been in their life in dealing with the situations just beyond the top of the hill. We ask it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Folk are playing. Maybe you're on the mountaintop tonight. Everything is absolutely wonderful. 
Man, you ought to shout the victory over that. You ought to worship him for that. Maybe you're a little past the top of the hill and the reserves are not there like you would like them to be. And the future seems quite dark and bleak and impossible. I want to remind you that God will be there. Our Father will be there. We have Christian friends that will help. And He will supply and help us and be with us every step of the way. How many folk in this room say, Preacher, I know what you're talking about. I've been through some valleys. I'm in a valley tonight. I'm heading that way. I recognize it. The doctor has summoned me to his place. I've got an appointment this week. Uh, There's some things in my home that are just in in upheaval. I need need what God can provide, what God's people can supply for me. That be the case tonight in your life. Why don't you come and get in this altar and say, Lord, I'm just going to have confidence in you. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to rely on you. I'm not going to get sidetracked by anything. I'm going to stay faithful to the one that is faithful to me. Let's stand our feet and would you come.